now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players, the flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to the seventh edition of Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. This is our last show before the draft. So this is the show that we're doing that's really going to get everybody going, get you primed and ready for the draft. There's all kinds of other podcasts and shows that are out there. They're all really good. I've listened to a few of them, not just today, but throughout the weekend. I'm seeing everybody's mock draft queue. This is, I think, for me personally, my favorite time of the year for the NFL. I absolutely love the draft. I know when free agency starts, that's fun and cool because teams go out and spend a bunch of money. But the draft is just something different. It literally is Christmas to me in April. I absolutely love it, and I'm beyond pumped for Thursday. Yeah, I am too, and I'll even take it a step further, man. I really, really love the NFL draft, and I love it from a fan's point of view, just watching the draft, sitting on you know on the couch with the homeboys, drinking some beer and watching it, just you know BSing and talking about it. That's always been me, but then at the same time, now getting to cover it for a living and doing this for you know ESPN Central Texas and go to the draft. This will be my fourth in a row now going there. Now it's not only do I enjoy it and love it, I actually love it more than going to the Super Bowl, and, and this is not trying to brag or anything but going to the Super Bowl and spending all week on Radio Row is a lot of fun but ultimately you see two teams this year it was the Patriots and it was the uh, the Rams and you see those two teams so you see a bunch of Patriot fans in town you see a bunch of Ram fans in town and then you just see a bunch of people that are just there you know they're just there for the Super Bowl experience but for the NFL draft it is on a whole nother level because not only do you see one fan base, two fan bases, three fan bases. You see 32 fan bases. Every fan base is represented in a major way. Every fan that is there in attendance gets so fired up when it's their team's turn to pick, and then all of a sudden they make the pick. Either they cheer it or they boo it, but you hear them one way or the other. And so it's always an awesome experience, something I never thought in my life I'd ever be in attendance at, something I always just watched, like I said, with the homeboys at the house and thought, this is cool. And I love it. I enjoy it a lot. But now being able to be on the other side and do this for a living as well and, and talk about it and, you know what I mean, and do interviews about it, I mean, this it's, it's unbelievable. And if I had to pick one, luckily I don't. Sometimes you might have to or sometimes I might have to at some point. But right now I haven't had to pick just one. I'd pick the NFL draft over covering the Super Bowl because the NFL draft is, to me, the better event. Well, it is. And, from, and I'll pull back the curtain for people that aren't in radio or in our industry. When you're there on Radio Row during Super Bowl week, 
you have to hustle and bustle to get gas if you're a producer. I mean, your grind never stops. You're being pulled in every direction. You have people throwing people in your face with, hey, interview this former player. He's pitching this or interview this guy or interview this woman. And it's, it's really a pain in the ass. When you go to the draft, I mean, you're there, you get there, and you're there, and you're out of there by Friday. You know, or so, you know if, you're there, if you're there all week, you know, you kind of you know which, where your show is going. It's not definitely pitch central. You're not, people don't have agendas to get stuff out there. I mean, everybody has an agenda, but it's not like Super Bowl week. Right. And it's not one that has, it's not one that has everybody in the media there. If you're an NFL person, you're going to be at the NFL draft for the most part. It's not going to be for the average radio person or some guy dressed up as fan man, you know, coming yeah. in because he wants to ask a stupid question to a player during, you know, um, the media day rush or whatever. So the NFL draft to me is, is kind of like the, it, it is the beginning of the new year when it comes to um, the NFL. It's almost like, again, Christmas day because you open everything up and being the draft picks and you get all the new toys your team can play with. And it just, it's, it's almost like renewed hope, yep. you know, brought back into your franchise. So I am definitely pumped about it, man. And, and uh, just the draft in general, but when it comes to the Raiders, what I love about it, there's a lot of mystery, a ton of mystery. And to even further my point, Ian Rappaport on NFL Network uh, on Monday said this regarding the Raiders possibly picking a mystery player. Well, with all due respect to my friend Daniel Jeremiah, who I had a very lovely dinner with last night as we exchanged information, <laughs> it is actually pretty unusual. He mentioned the scouting director in the room. Well, the scouting director in this case, uh, is not, Sean Harak, is actually not in the room. Neither are any scouts, save for simply one scout. There's going to be other legal people there, contract guy in the room. Uh, there are points of contact for people to call the Raiders in case of a trade, but as far as scouts... It is going to be very barren, and from what I understand, what the Raiders are looking at is some sort of surprise pick at number four that would necessitate absolute secrecy, which is why Mike Mayock, which is why John Gruden have essentially cleared the rooms. They told their scouts on Friday, have a great Easter weekend, go home. By the way, also don't come back until after the draft. And for a lot of them, there isn't a reason to come back because they're going to be having significant turnover in the draft room, uh, and a lot of those guys who left probably are not returning. Right, exactly. In other words, the hay is in the barn. The board has said, get out of here. We're good. But I want to double back here. Did, did I hear you correctly? You suggested there could be a surprise there at number four. That's why they're more buttoned up. Yeah, that is what I understand. A, a pick at number four that uh, we are not expecting. So what that actually is... I do not know. I have some thoughts. Maybe that's mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's Devin White. Maybe it's a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray if he's there. Uh, maybe it's an offensive lineman. No one has mocked them there. A tackle, perhaps. Uh, but from what I understand, it is a pick that should surprise us at four, which would maybe sort of explain this. Do you think that mystery player may be Dwayne Haskins? Do you think that mystery player may be, let's say, a guy that, I talked about heavily last week. We bolted on on the episode six, Ed Oliver. Or maybe could it be that there is a trade package out there that can net the Raiders, let's say, uh, a first-rounder this year, a first-rounder next year, and a second- and third-rounder this year to move back a few spots so a team can draft a quarterback and their selection is going to be a surprise because 
it may not be the person you think they'd pick at number four. Like, what do you think he's alluding to when he, in terms of this, since there is no smoke screens that's out there? You know, it's, it's really a great question. That's a good question. And ever since I heard that earlier today, I was thinking about what in the world could be such a surprise. Because, look, we all know I've been very adamant about who I want at number four, Quentin Williams. But if they get Quentin Williams, would that be a surprise? No. No. So, uh, you know, so that's not a surprise. If they go after Josh Allen and they get him, would that be a surprise? No. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what would be a surprise? Ed Oliver, in my opinion, wouldn't be a surprise either. I think that that's a guy that's in the running for a, a possible uh, a spot, you know, uh, uh, being drafted by the Raiders. Nick Bosa, uh, that's not – none of those guys are surprises to me. So you mentioned Dwayne Haskins. That would be a surprise to me. Kyler Murray would be a surprise to me. And then – What about Devin White? Devin White would not be a surprise to me. Now, Devin White is something that I said, or a guy that I said, I wouldn't even be mad if they walked away at number four with him because I think he's a dog, and I think he's going to be a, a alpha dog on that, that defensive side of the ball. So I wouldn't be surprised at Devin White. Maybe a lot of Raider fans would be surprised by Devin White, maybe because he's at four instead of like seven or eight or nine. But look, if he's a hell of a player, he's a hell of a player at four or nine. I don't really care. So uh, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But maybe that is because a lot of people are talking about, and we've mentioned it on the show many times, that you know Paul Gunther doesn't value a linebacker that high. Well, maybe times are changing. You know what I mean? So maybe, maybe, that, yeah. maybe that would be a surprise. I don't know. To me, it wouldn't be a surprise. But maybe it is. To me, it's a quarterback or it's – what, like you mentioned, that trade that you're talking about and them trading back, uh, collecting some extra picks, and then getting a guy like maybe a Devin White. Who knows? But that has been the biggest question that's been in my brain ever since I heard that because I keep going through these guys and I keep looking at this list of players that are going to be in the green room, and I'm thinking, none of these cats look like surprises to me outside of, well, the obvious is like the quarterbacks. Yeah, I think Dwayne Haskins to me is the guy – that fits what the Raiders would like to do more, if you're talking about a quarterback, even more than Murray. Um, Murray fits what the Cardinals want to do on offense, and that's what makes him so likely to go number one to the Cardinals because of the Kingsbury connection. I think Haskins is the big-armed, smart quarterback that Gruden really likes. He's sneaky athletic. Is he going to get out and, and run like Kyler Murray? No. Is he going to be... Even an Aaron Rodgers type or Alex Smith, no. But he can get out and get you a few yards at his size. Um, he is very accurate. And the guy is a football junkie and can break down defenses. And he's gone on various shows and shown that and talked to various people and blown some people away. I would be surprised if they took him out for I could see them dealing back and taking, a, 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 taking Haskins if they deal back a few spots versus taking him at four. If that's the case, what do you do with Derek Carr? That goes contrary to what I've been told and what I think, which is they are absolutely loading up for Carr to have no excuses and loading up for Carr to have a bunch of playmakers so he can be successful. Um, I, I'm just intrigued about this because even my sources – within the team right now, aren't giving me a lot of, of information. And, and rightfully so. It's going to be interesting. This, I'm actually going to be watching the draft. I'm, I'm going to pull back my curtain with uh, a diehard Raider fan, one of my best friends, my brother from another mother, uh, Joe Pacheco, uh, former radio guy in Fresno for ESPN. Uh, was it ESPN 920? 940. I believe it is ESPN 940 in Fresno, um, as well as 
I call him Mr. Fresno Sports, George Takata. George <laughs> has been in Fresno forever. Yeah. Um, huge Raider fan. We're going to George's house to barbecue and watch the first round of the draft. And then we're going to open up the YouTube channel, um, and I'll tweet it out. And you're going to get the reaction from two Raider fans after the first round. I would say we'll do it while they pick, but I don't want to have George or Joe embarrassed because if it's not what they like, George is going to flip his wig. It's, it's going to be hilarious. We were talking on our way here. And even he called me like, hey, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? I'm like, George, I'm not hearing anything, bro. Like, this is what I got. This is what I was told. But during these last two weeks, I don't believe anything I'm being told because they're all lies. Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. Every It's lion season. You're not supposed to believe anything that you hear uh, and don't believe half of what you see. You know, don't believe it until it's actually done. You know, just because it looks like it and it's leaning that way, don't believe it until it's actually officially done. So, uh, yeah, I don't expect anybody to be talking, especially after all the guys got sent home, and, and there's a reason for that. And now the Raiders are really buckling down and hunkering down and, you know, tightening up the fort and really only letting a select few even into the even into the, 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 the circle, you know, the circle of trust. And so, yeah, it's going to be a real, a real mystery. Uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued by what it could be. And you're right about Dwayne Haskins probably being a better fit on what um, what what the Raiders would like to do. But I still go back to Kyler Murray because that might be such a surprise that, wow, this isn't what anybody expected from John Gruden. This isn't expected to be a guy that he would want to try to be his quarterback. And maybe he thinks he could be a dynamic weapon or, you know, whatever. Uh, who knows what John Gruden's thinking right now? That's why I'm so intrigued by this. And I, I really kind of scratch my head and not know what's going to happen. See, I, I think it'd be a surprise because he's not going number one. Like, honestly, that's where I kind of think where the surprise comes into play because Pete Prisco today for CBS put out a report that he's heard that the Cardinals are not going with Murray as uh, their number one overall pick. Now, again, I don't believe that just because it is lion season, like you said. Um, what I do think, the first round, I believe, plays out like this. And that is if there is no trade. I believe it goes Murray, Bosa, Ed Oliver to the Jets at three, and Williams to the Raiders at four. And with Devin White and Josh Allen rounding out the top six. That's what I believe. Um, I actually think Drew Locke is going to slide. I know for a long time I heard that he was uh, a Denver bound. Um, I think with White being gone and knowing Fangio the way Fangio – uh, really moves. I can see Devin Bush being a fit for Denver um, when they come up, and then them and then look for them to trade back into round one uh, for a quarterback like a Drew Lock if he's there later in round one. But I don't particularly think, unless there's a lot of movement, the draft is going to be different from what I just said. Yeah, and you know, I think that there's going to be some trades. So I just, I really do. I, I just have a feeling that either the Jets are going to make a trade. Or Arizona's going to pull up some crazy move and they make a trade that nobody ever saw coming. Uh, that could be a surprise as well. I mean, you know what I mean? I just don't feel like they're going to go through the first four, five, six, seven picks without a trade. I just I think that something's going to happen. Usually these teams got to trade up to get a quarterback. So if they want one, I think a couple of these teams are going to be looking to move up. Uh, teams like, you know, maybe the Giants, even though they have two picks, they pick a six and 17. Maybe they're looking to move up. Maybe uh, Denver is looking to move up and they want to get Drew Lock immediately uh maybe the Bengals look, look to move up and go get a quarterback that's the place I can see Kyler Murray fitting is in Cincinnati I mean there's 
all kind of Washington. They're picking at 15. Maybe they're looking to move up and get somebody. Miami. Miami's at 13. Look at Fitzmagic. Yeah. Fitz he's eating too much cake, and, and he's their starter. Yeah, and he's only and he's only a Band-Aid. He's, he's like fix a flat. You know what I mean? He's just there for a little while, and you got to go get a new tire. So he's, he's not the – That's it, real. You know, he ain't the, the end-all, be-all for them. Well, when it comes to the draft, we have a friend. I think, you know, he's a guy that I want to call his – the Nostradamus of Twitter because he'll put something out in like January and it'll be the start of the NFL new year and it happens. And he just sits back and he just smiles and, and cracks a little sarcasm. And a lot of people tend to dislike him for that. Um, not me. Um, I will say along with yourself and a few others, when it came to the relocation, he was one of the first people to follow and really give me a lot of credit for that on a personal note. Uh, and that's Benjamin Albright. He does radio in Denver. Um, ben is one of the best insiders and best follows on Twitter. You can follow him at Albright, at Albright NFL. Um, he'll be joining us in just a minute to talk NFL draft. And we're going to ask a ton of questions, not just Raider-related, but a lot of it will be Raider Central as well as uh, – AFC West centric as well. Right now, Q, gut instinct. Who do you got going to the Raiders out for? Trade player and who was that player? Uh, it's going to be a, they're going to make the pick and it's going to be Quentin Williams. I'm just going to stick with that until it doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, but I'm going to be, I guess, a little contrarian. I think they deal back. Okay. I, I think they deal back because just the way Mayock had his pre draft. Um, press conference, it just sounded like a guy that he wants to move back. And the guy that he they may have fell in love with is probably going to be around where they want to pick, where they deal back with. He knows they need, like we talked about last show, more foundation pieces for the team. And the only way you're able to do that is accumulate more picks to get more players. Yep. And at this point, I really think a deal back – it's about 50-50, and I would, I would say if you can add it to a two and a three, a swap of ones and a first-round pick next year, I really think that would be a really good coup for the Raiders to do because of everything that you can have. You can get a player, it may not be a Quentin Williams at four, who some people believe is the best player in this in this draft. That would be me. Um, I have my hand up right now. I know you can't see it, but my hand is up. That's me. I, I do believe that he is the best player in the draft. Oh, I see it way from Fresno. <laughs> I'm in Fresno right now, so all the way down to, to Central. I see yep. it. I got you. There you go. I got you. <laughs> Put the finger down now. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. My bad. My bad. I got a little crazy. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think that they can add a guy that that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's say they add the tight ends, Hawkinson from Iowa, or let's say Ed Oliver does slide a bit because the Jets may take Williams, and you're like, you know what, we can get another D lineman a little bit later, and or we can slide back and maybe get a Montez Sweat, who who does have the enlarged heart, but we have a guy like that that we know how to combat that. Um, I don't think that that's too far-fetched if you get a team that really falls in love with the guy that wants to jump the Giants. Because I think the Giants end up doing, and this is just me, I think it's going to be Josh Allen at 6 and Daniel Jones at 17. 
I think that's that's exactly what the Giants want to do. Um, and in fact, when we get Albright on, Ben had a tweet last week that said uh, there's some team. I believe it was Ben, or it may have been Daniel Jeremiah, but it literally said some team has Daniel Jones as their number one quarterback in this draft, and he would be drafted a lot higher than what people think. I can believe that. So, I absolutely could believe that. I, I matter of fact, uh, I, I saw Daniel Jones up close to personal uh, a, a couple times. Matter of fact, since he played for Duke. And, uh, you know, he played Baylor a couple times and uh, obviously was at the Senior Bowl as well. And I wasn't there, but, I mean, I watched it. And uh, know that a lot of teams are pretty high on him. And there was a lot of scouts there that were able to, to get some good uh, good good intel on him. So I, I could definitely believe that Daniel Jones is high on a lot of people's list. Yeah, and, in fact, well, let's, let's take a quick break now. We'll go ahead and get, uh, get Ben on the phone. And we'll get into all kinds of draft talk with Ben. We'll get Raider questions going. We have a few Raider questions that uh, was asked to us on Twitter as well as email to us. I want to get to those a little bit later. Um, some of them have to do with Carr and um, a couple other guys uh, responded to some, some things we talked about, and I want to respond back to them. Um, I screenshotted their, their, their questions to us. So let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll come on back with Ben Albright. You're listening to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. With us, as promised, is... Our brother from another mother. This is a guy, again, I respect immensely with the amount of work he puts in. But I respect him even more, not just because he's right 95% of the time, but because he claps back at people when they want to get spicy with them. My boy, Benjamin Albright, what's going on, B? Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's draft week, so I'm a little worn out, but uh, otherwise making it. Are you heading down to Nashville for the draft? Yeah, I'm, I'm flying out there tomorrow. Nice. You and Q get to link up and partake in adult beverages when I'm stuck on my side of town watching it barbecuing in the heat. Well, there you go. <laughs> we'll uh, right, pull one out for you. I appreciate that. Okay, my first question is this, and, and this is going to be um, and, uh, kind of just framed differently, but I, I agree with what you put out there, um, and I've kind of talked to some people today and um, the first six picks, um, I'm same, same order as you, Murray, uh, Bosa, Oliver, Williams, um, White, and um, Allen. When they talked about the Raiders making a surprise pick, what do you think that Ian Rappaport was alluding to in terms of is it a player or possibly a massive deal to trade back and accumulate more picks to fall back about seven or so spots? Uh, well, I think that there's a couple of scenarios in play. I think that the most likely, and you know, when you're dealing with this time of year, the way to phrase it and the way to look at it is most likely to happen. Uh, you know, there's a lot of permutations and variations that all hinge on the, you know, the pick before it. So um, I'll say this. I think Quinton Williams is the most likely outcome. I think Devin White's getting some discussion. Uh, I think a trade back is getting some discussion. Uh, and I think the surprise one is Drew Locke getting some discussion. I've, I've heard some other quarterback names in there, but I, Drew Locke was the one that I heard 
Um, you know, John is just, they're, they're not sold long-term on Derek Carr. They think Derek Carr is okay for now, but uh, they don't feel like he's the guy long-term. Um, and so they've been around looking around these other quarterbacks and seeing, uh, you know, seeing what's out there. Interestingly enough, though, you know, most of John Gruden's success has come with veteran quarterbacks uh, that were kind of of the plug-and-play and maybe even limited tools variety uh, versus drafting uh, quarterbacks, which has really not been his forte. If you go back and look, Marcus Tuasosopo uh, and um, Chris Sims were really his draft picks, uh, but he did much, much better with Jeff Garcia, Rich Gannon, uh, Brad Johnson, guys like that. What are your thoughts on them trading up? Like, I, I see they have eight picks, and I think that they have a lot of holes. I think they have no business trading up. What Do you think that there's any way that they're trading up anytime soon, at least early, maybe on Thursday? Uh, you know, I don't think so. Um, you know, I had a discussion with John back at the Senior Bowl, and uh, he had this crazy plan where he's going to try to bring in, uh, you know, Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell and Kyler Murray, and uh, you know, he certainly got Antonio Brown. They were close on Bell, but ultimately, the Jets just just had more guaranteed money to be able to throw around. Um, and, and Murray at the time, you know, getting him at four didn't seem like that would be too difficult. But now, I mean, I think that's I think we know that's possible or improbable anyway. So, you know, I, I think that they had a plan, uh, you know, for this thing to put together. I, I just don't see them mortgaging all those picks and, you know, everything that they did to work to get all that, having to give up Mark Cooper and, and Khalil Mack, and, and in the end you're going to package all that together and move up to number one to get Kyler Murray. I don't, I don't feel like that's going to work. They may move up from those two picks in the 20s, uh, use those to give themselves some flexibility, but uh, I don't think they're going to move up from four. You brought up something about Carr, about John not being sold on him. We talked about this on the last show. I actually think the Raiders are in a position a lot like what Green Bay is doing with Aaron Rodgers, is putting playmakers around him so Carr can have no excuses to not be successful barring an injury. Um, by bringing in Brown at tackle and, in, you know, A.B. and Williams and some of the other pieces around him offensively, you still need to tie in a running back, I think. But I really feel that – they're trying to put Carr in the best position to be successful. Do you think if they pass on a quarterback at four, um, it's going to go is, and Williams is gone, do you think it is a defensive player, or do you think that they may shock some people and maybe go, maybe even go offensive lineman early to really secure that line around Carr to keep him upright? Well, you drafted Colton Miller last year. You bring in Brown. I mean, interior of that line is is pretty decent. I, I can't see a scenario where they go offensive line. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. It just doesn't seem likely. Um, you know, everything that I've heard and, and everybody I've talked to seems to think it's going to be the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, as it stands on paper, that offense looks pretty good. I mean, you know, you got three three pretty decent receivers, decent offensive line. Carr is you know a couple seasons removed from an MVP caliber type season before he got hurt. Um, you know, that offense just really doesn't have an excuse given what they put there. So uh, they need to they need to build a defense at this point. And you know, I think everybody around the league joking is calling them the uh, the Oakland Raiders because there's no D. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I I laugh at it because it's a good one, but it's it's also true and and kind of hurtful at the same time. Josh Jacobs is a guy that I'm intrigued by as as a potential member of the Oakland Raiders. I think that he would be a really good weapon, another weapon to add to that offense. And I know that you said that the offense looks pretty good, but I don't think you could have too many weapons for this offense, especially when you got to go up against the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year. Uh, what do you think of Josh Jacobs, maybe at 24 or 27 for the Raiders? 
I think it's right around a sweet spot, and I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that pick. Um, John Gruden tends to like running backs that are uh, big in size, 220 pounds plus, um, and like, can catch the ball well out of the backfield. Um, so, you know, if you if you uh, see running backs that, that match that description, uh, that's probably going to be what he's what he's looking for. Um, I think Jacobs fits that role. I think he can be that guy. Um, you know, there's some other teams that may be interested in there. Philadelphia sniffed around him, so did uh, Indianapolis. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But uh, I, I think that's right around his, his range. We're talking with Ben Albright, master of everything NFL behind the scenes, the Nostradamus of the NFL. You can follow him all at Albright NFL. Ben, let me ask you this, brother, and I've talked about this with Q, and we've talked about this openly. I think there's three tight ends that, that are first level or first and early second with uh, Hawkinson, Font, and uh, Smith. After that, I think there's a drop-off to like the third or the fourth round, but then there's a bunch of guys that's the deep class. Do you think in a scenario where Fant and Hawkinson is, is taken early, let's say top 14 picks, um, the Raiders and that with that one of the last two picks would possibly reach for Smith because the drop off is so substantial in the second round. You know, I think you could look at that. I don't know that John, based on his history, would do that. Um, you know, John John uh, typically likes the the throwback tight end. You know, the old school inline guy. Um, you know, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that he's going to want to go tight end that early. I don't know if there's value in that. Like you mentioned, there's several guys kind of after that dropped off on day three that you can kind of look at. Um, Oliver out of San Jose State, one that jumps to mind. Um, you know, so I think there's. Uh, I, I don't know that I would try to reach for that. I think I would attempt to continue to try to get great defensive players with those. I'd use all three picks, all three first rounders on defensive players, and and then kind of see what what falls in your lap on day two in terms of uh, uh, if there's any offensive talent still out there. What are you hearing on uh, Jalen Ferguson out of uh, La Tech? Obviously, he's got a lot of production on the field. He's got a lot of baggage off the field. But where do you think his sweet spot to say would go in the in the draft? Well, that's the question. You got people that love his talent, but you know the character flags. That's one of those guys that's that's all over the map. Um, I, I really can't peg that one down. Um, there's there's a couple of guys right now that I'm having trouble kind of pegging down just because the the opinion is so wide on them. Uh, there's some guys who have him completely off the board. There's some guys that uh, you know that think that he's uh, you know, that, that could go much earlier than expected. So um, you know, it's just another thing like Montez Sweat right now. You know, the talent says uh, you know could be taken as high as you know six, but the medicals I know it, I know at least one uh, team in the top ten that has him completely off the board. So. Um, you know, it's these players, some of these guys that, you know, you don't know what you don't know in terms of the, the medicals and the, um, and the character, uh, that just is so hard to pin down exactly where you think you're going to go. I want to flip to the AFC West and you're in the heart of Broncos country. And I actually told this to uh, Q right before he brought you on. I tend to think that for so long, the Broncos had been locked in or rumored to be locked in on Drew Locke. Um, and I think they've kind of gotten off that train. I think they're looking more defense. Um, if Devin White's there, I think that'd be a no-brainer. But he's most most likely going to be gone. Devin Bush makes a lot of sense for Vic Fangio. Is that somebody you think the Broncos would possibly target at their pick, considering they they really I don't want to say need a lot of help defensively because I think they need more help offensively than they do defensively. Um. 
you know, I think there are some glaring holes on the defense, specifically at inside linebacker. I think for the Broncos, it's really a, a three-person conversation. That's assuming Devin White will be gone because that would be the perfect world scenario. Uh, but I think I think everybody expects him to be gone. Uh, I think it's a three-person you know conversation. Drew Locke is in that conversation. Um, Devin Bush is in that conversation with T.J. Hawkinson. And really it kind of comes down to throwing on the tape last year, Denver versus San Francisco, the first half it's, uh, with George Kittle. Do you, do you draft the guy that torched you for 200 yards in the first round, in the, in the first half, or do you draft the guy that can stop the guy who torched you for, hmm. uh, for 200 yards in the first half? And that's what it boils down to for Bush and, um, you know, and Hawkinson. Uh, Hawkinson may be gone by then anyway, but, um, you know, I, I really think they're keying in on Devin Bush. I think they feel like that's the most likely scenario. Um, I never want to say that something's 100% set in stone, but I think that's the uh, that's the way they think that you know it's, it's most likely to shake out, and, and they need that. Um, the inside linebackers that they have, Josie Jewell's a run funnel guy. Todd Davis is a downhill linebacker, and like I said, all you got to do is throw on that, that 49ers tape and see George Kittle legitimately tear them up for 200 yards in the first half to know that neither one of those two guys are the answer. Uh, long-term covering people and going away from the ball. Kansas City has a prolific offense. I mean, they're they're just throwing the ball all over the yard. Patrick Mahomes, 50 touchdowns is his first season as a starter. Obviously, the MVP. They got it going on on offense. Tyreek Hill is going to be a question. Don't know what's going to happen with him, but that's another scenario. But defense, it's got to be defense, right, for their first-round pick. You would, you would think that the best defensive player is the guy that they're going to go with. Probably an edge guy if there's one there. Yeah, I think they would really be a perfect world for them. Montez Sweat would fall to them. Uh, maybe they could move up a little bit, but I think that's you know perfect world scenario for them. Um, I don't know that's necessarily going to happen, but that would be ideal. Um, and I, I think that's the direction they're going to go. Andy Reid has always you know kind of had the same philosophy. You know, you get me a quarterback, an offensive tackle, a corner, and an edge rusher, and I'll make it work. And that's kind of the direction I think they're, you know, they're going. They've, they've kind of got the corners, and the, they added Tyron Matthew and and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think they'll look edge and, and, and corner. I think to uh, to kind of round out what they're trying to do in this defensive switch that they're making, this overhaul that they're making to, to Spagnuolo. With the Chargers, you know, they're getting older at the two that quarterback with Rivers, and there's a guy out there that's on the trade block, that's from L.A., <laughs> that would kind of be a natural fit to back them up for a year or two before they gets going, and it's an affordable contract. Is there any movement behind the scenes with Rosen to the Chargers, potentially? Well, that's that's been a call that's been made, but there have been teams that have uh, that have called about Rosen, the you know Washington Redskins, the Giants. Although I don't I don't think they're in on him. Um, the New England Patriots have kind of sniffed around there, the Cincinnati Bengals as well. Um, Zach Taylor, of course, was you know was out in L.A. with the Rams for a couple of years. You got to see Rosen when he was at UCLA. So, uh, you know, I I think that um, you know he's I, I think Rosen is ultimately going to be dealt here uh, probably right around the draft time. But I, I just they don't feel like they're getting offers that are um, in line with what they feel like he's worth. Uh, the, you know, the market is really kind of a third rounder. Uh, plus, you know, you might be able to talk somebody into a second, but, it, you know, it's really like a third, and, you know, Washington's like, well, hey, we'll give you a third in case Keenum, who already knows the system, or, you know, you got the Chargers who are saying, you know, a third, and Tyrod Taylor, who's kind of got the similar skill set to, to Kyler, be a mentor. And I, I think the, the Cardinals view their asset in Rosen as just being worth more, and I just, I just think they're being unrealistic about it. 
Speaking of guys that could possibly be traded, uh, Frank Clark in Seattle. Uh, obviously, he's the franchise tag holder right now. He did not sign it yet. It's worth $17 million, but they just dished out a bunch of money to, to Russell Wilson. They got Bobby Wagner they need to take care of. Uh, they have others that they need to take care of as well. Do you think that a, a draft day trade is coming for Frank Clark? You know, I, I don't know. That's one of those ones where they have an unrealistically high price tag on him as well. Um, the idea that you're going to get a first for Frank is, is, is probably not something that's realistic. I think what you, what you do is you shop him and, and like they're doing, and then you know as the draft starts to roll around, day one starts to close, the elite edge rushers are gone, and there's that mad scramble for what's left. I think then you might be able to gouge somebody uh, and get that first. But it, I think it's unlikely they come away with a first, uh, which may take him off the off the table for them. Ben, this is my last question for you, brother, because I know you got a busy schedule, mm-hmm. and I appreciate your time, man. No Thank you. Um, give us your most shocking moment in round one, or that's going to happen in this draft, something that's going to either scratch heads or people are going to say, damn, how the hell did that just happen, or why the hell did they just do that? Uh, you know, I, I, I felt like Cincinnati possibly being interested in Haskins was one that – uh, which shock people, but apparently it's not. Uh, Washington could could wind up with Drew Locke. Uh, they may they may move up to ten, swap places with the Broncos uh, to get a quarterback. That'd be interesting because that'd be the second year in a row, fifteen and ten, and swap places. Um, you know, we'll kind of see see how that shakes out. But uh, you know, I think I think Green Bay and Fant. I don't know if the you know if people are on that one, but um, that that's kind of one thing that they're looking at too is. Getting that electric, uh, you know, kind of move tight end for Aaron Rodgers. So, um, as far as scratching heads, man, I, Jones maybe at seventeen. The Giants, I, I think everybody that sees it coming, though, I don't think anybody's really uh, would be surprised by that. Do you feel like all these conversations and all these tweets and stuff about Kyler Murray, the Cardinals are now going to pass on Kyler Murray? Is that all just trying to to divert it off and and try to get your attention away from it because ABC and ESPN wants a surprise? Um, I think there's gonna be plenty of surprise in the draft anyway. I, I don't pay attention to that stuff. I, you know, I just try to talk to who I talk to and, and right. go from there. I, you know, I think that there's a lot of guys out there that are probably, uh, you know, maybe looking to drive eyeballs to articles and podcasts that they're doing. Right. Um, and so having something different than everybody else gets people to engage with those kinds of things. Um, you know, because everybody wants to know, well, what are they seeing that's different? Right. And so, you know, yeah, I think that's what it is. I, I don't think that there's, um, I think it's ninety nine point nine 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 infinitely repeating percent that it's Kyler Murray. Um, you know, even people I've talked to say that Murray's people have been told already. So, you know, I take that how you will. Ben, man, I appreciate your time. And yeah, no doubt. You, you're one of the best, and just the fact that I love—I personally, and I was talking about this before we had you jump on—I love the fact that you'll put something out months ahead of time, and actually, when it happens, you kind of just sit back and. People still question you, man, and I, I wish you the best in everything, brother. Like, truly, uh, I appreciate you. You're my friend, you're my bro, and, and I'm looking forward to everything that's going to be coming in store for you, man. It's well, well deserved. You're a tireless worker, brother, and just taking the time to jump on with you and myself, man, it's big time. We appreciate that. Yeah, man. For you, anytime. <laughs> that's what's up. Well, I'll see you in uh, Nashville. <laughs> I'll catch up to you in Nashville. Uh-huh. All right, bro. Take care. All right, my man. Later. All right, thanks, Ben. That's our guy, Ben Albright. Catch him in uh, Al High City doing his thing on uh, Airwaves out there. Follow him on Twitter, at AlbrightNFL. And Q, 
Yeah, I, look, I know Schefter and Rappaport. You know, really Schefter's on a different level. More Rappaport. You know, he, he's he has he's had a rough off season, but he's normally real solid. But I don't know if they get more solid than Ben. Like honestly, like Ben is not wrong too often. Right. No, I'm with you, and he's on he's on a, a regular guest on our show on ESPN Central Texas quite a bit, and uh, yeah, he's he's usually spot on. And he said weeks ago that Kyler Murray was going to go number one, and that his people have already been told. And I've been running with that, but you know, obviously, as it gets closer and closer to the draft, that that little bit of a uh, you know wondering and, and wondering what report might be true starts to creep into your mind. So it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder what's going on. But I think I'm with him, and I feel like it's 99.9999 percent sure that it's going to be Kyler Murray. But there is that one little chance, you know, that it might not be. And that's what everybody's waiting for to see if it's going to be that 1% chance or if it's going to be what everybody thought originally. And most likely it'll be Kyler Murray to the Cardinals, which will kill anything that uh, the Raiders might have done foolishly at number four. So uh, I'm hoping that Arizona just does and handles their business like they're supposed to. Nah, man, I agree 100%. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back with your questions. And we're going to get into more Raiders-specific draft talk. We appreciate you guys listening to Q&A. Your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. <laughs> 